Welcome everybody to the Lug Nuts and Beer podcast. I'm Tom Curley, joined by my co-host Dylan Flickinger. Carl Edwards claims his second consecutive victory in the NASCAR Sprint Cup Series with a win in the Toyota Owners 400 at Richmond International Raceway, but he uses the old bump and run move on his teammate Kyle Busch to do it. We'll talk about that and more on this week's episode of Lug Nuts and Beer. But first, this is the Lug Nuts and Beer podcast, and we are coming to you from a Monday night in North Carolina and Ohio, respectively. Dylan, what are you drinking over there? Hello, sir. It is... Tomorrow's my birthday, man. I'm getting old, so... Well, happy birthday! Thank you. In 16 minutes from now, I want you to remind me of that again. So you're the first one. (laughs) Um, Man... I, I I debated all day on what I was going to do for this podcast, what kind of beer I was going to get for the birthday celebration. And for a while now, I've been wanting to get Jack Daniels, but I wanted, I wanted to get Gentleman Jack. And so here I am, just sipping on some Gentleman Jack on the rocks. Um, yeah, just enjoying the moment, man. I know it's not uh, Lug Nuts and Jack Daniels, but sometimes you just got to switch it up, and special occasions call for special moments, and here we are. Hey, man, uh, 20, 27, man. I mean, that's, that's going to be your, your record year, as Eric Church would say. I, I hope it is my record, record year, like he says, you know? He, he says <laughs> – a few other things about Jack Daniels along the way. Uh, he has a song about letting Jack Daniels just kick my ass some nights. But And, and I've been there <laughs> on my, my 22nd, 23rd birthday. Woo! <laughs> Woo! It was just uh, getting after me. But, you know, I'm 27 now, and I feel like I can sit down in front of my computer Um drink a little jack and just not let this night get too out of hand so that thankfully i've I've learned my lesson and even though it's kicked my butt some nights here we are drinking some gentleman jack have you ever had gentleman jack uh no man i just have had a lot and i mean a lot of regular jack daniels (laughs) (laughs) sometimes against your your own will Actually, quick, uh, quick, funny story, really quick. Just this mm-hmm. past December, it was one of the last times you were home. I mean, it was probably a few days before Christmas. You came home and brought your lovely girlfriend, Monica, and it was the very first time I met her. And we went, you came up to my house, and we went all went down to the local townie bar about a mile Puckers. away called Puckers. Yeah, it's a classic. It Love is it. a classic. And uh, we just have started having ourselves a good old-fashioned drink-off, the three of us. That doesn't sound like us. <laughs> I just remember uh, it started off so casual. We were just catching up, and you know there were like the niceties. I was meeting Monica, and everybody was cordial. We were drinking some Bud Lights, and finally you're just like, well, should I order some Jack Daniels then? Some Jack Daniels shots? And everybody's like, well, yeah, I guess so. So you did, and then Monica ordered a round, and then I ordered a round, then you ordered another round, and then uh, I went to work at 8 a.m. the next day. Oh man, that was, yeah, that was Christmas. And I was doing, I was visiting people and I came up and visited you guys. And when Monica, when she asked what kind of going out we were doing that night, I told, I, I just, I really downplayed it and said, oh, you know, we'll just have a few beers. It's okay. We're just catching up with Tom. No big deal. 
And uh, the next day, I felt so bad for Monica. She <laughs> she had to ride like five and a half hours in the car through the hills of West Virginia and Virginia uh, to North Carolina. And she <laughs> was just, oh, man. Jack Daniels kicked her butt that night, you know, as as Mr. Church says. Well, that's the thing, too. I mean... And I think you, I think that was an expensive night for you guys. I think you guys spent over a hundred dollars at Puckers, and spending over a hundred dollars on a night at Puckers is like spending a hundred dollars at Taco Bell. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. That's kind of you know Jack Daniels leads you down those roads, man. It it takes you there, and you just have to decide what kind of night it's gonna be. You have to decide if it's gonna be. Uh, I I need to record a podcast tonight kind of night, or if it's going to be, man, this might be a good old-fashioned two-day hangover. I'm just saying, like, you know, if you go to, you know, New York City or L.A. or something like that, you're going to drop 100 bucks pretty quickly, but you have to work for it to drop $100 at Puckers. I mean, you got to want it. At Jack Daniels, it's the uh, (laughs) top shelf, you know? Only the best for, for my best friends. (laughs) <laughs> well thanks buddy i appreciate it it was a hell of a night <laughs> no no problem so <laughs> i hope that i'm not the only one drinking jack daniels tonight um or actually excuse me i hope i am the only one drinking jack daniels tonight so this podcast actually goes somewhere um <laughs> what, what what are you drinking over there well i uh am i think last week i had what did i have last week the kentucky bourbon ale mm-hmm. yeah so i got off the great lakes bandwagon last week but this week i am back firmly planted in in the great lakes bandwagon yeah yeah swimming in it yeah i'm drinking uh burning river pale ale again i believe i've actually already drank this once on the podcast so it's a classic though it's kind of my go-to great lakes wise i'd say it's probably like my uh my favorite great lakes beer so nothing special i mean i didn't you always do something you know really creative and uh are always trying a new beer and introducing jack daniels into the podcast i'm just recycling these same old beers over here i gotta step up my game it's okay man don't worry about it you know tonight tonight's a special night on your birthday who you gotta get, you really have to get outside that box though all right i might i might be in north carolina celebrating with you on my birthday this year i hope you are i That's, hope that, are. i think we I won't think that that might be the weekend. That might be the weekend. Uh, they they're racing in Charlotte. Well, we won't be be recording a podcast that night. That's for sure. <laughs> or maybe we will. Could you imagine? <laughs> no, no, I can't imagine. It would either it would either be the best podcast anyone's ever recorded, or just utter nonsense. The, the government would shut us down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get. <laughs> Get these hooligans out of here. So, so Dylan Flickinger turns 27 in mere minutes. We're recording Nine this minutes. at uh, yeah 11.51 p.m. on Monday night. He's drinking a little bit of Jack Daniels to celebrate, doing Eric Church proud, and we're here recording the Lug Nuts and Beer podcast. So uh, I guess we should just get straight into the race then, huh? Yeah, man, let's do it. Let's talk about some NASCAR. All right, so this was the third and final short track race of this kind of three race short track swing they raced at uh, martinsville and then went to texas for a week which is a big track but then they came right back and raced at bristol and then richmond 
Uh, what'd you think of the race? It was a good race, man. Um, it wasn't like last week where we saw a lot of little guys, uh, small teams running up front. It was kind of dominated by the big dogs, but right. I mean, that doesn't diminish the quality of racing at all. It only enhances it. And I thought we saw some good racing for sure. What did you think? Yeah, I thought, I thought so too. Um, I think you could tell the race was good, first of all, just by watching it with your own two eyes, but also by how impressed the commentators were. So you have Jeff Gordon and Daryl Waltrip and Mike Joy. These are three NASCAR vets, people who have been in the series forever in some capacity or another, and they were clearly excited about the racing, about how cars were up high at the high line, running in the middle of the track, running down low, and there was just a lot of passing, kind of a lot of action going on all day. So I think that was a good indicator that the race really was as good as everybody thought it was. Yeah, and I thought it was cool too. I mean, we just see NASCAR making little changes here and there, and we got a day race at Richmond, which... I don't know if this is the only day race that's ever been at Richmond, but it's the first day race in a long time. They're the first one in 19 years, actually. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so that that was cool. Gave us a lot of really, really good racing. And I think Jeff Gordon, Jeff Gordon said himself, I've never seen so many passes at Richmond. So, yeah, cool day. Uh, yeah, and actually I misspoke a little bit there. I said the first – day race at Richmond in 19 years. It was the first scheduled day race in Richmond in 19 years. They actually raced at Richmond. Uh, it was either last year or the year before during the day because the night race on Saturday night got rained out. Hmm. But nonetheless, there were 23 lead changes, which was the most amount of lead changes for a Richmond race since 2007. So, I mean, just look at that. That's nine wow. years. The most, the most action up front at the front of the field for the lead since 2007. So, I mean, it's all in the numbers. That's that, that stat says everything it needs to. Not to mention the very first ever last lap pass at Richmond International Raceway. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I wrote that down. I thought that was a great, great little fun fact about Richmond for the week. Well, it's crazy because, I mean, these boys have been racing at Richmond two times a year since the 1950s. How have there never been how's there never been a one single last lap pass for the win? That is actually almost unbelievable. Yeah, you're right. That is pretty incredible. We've never seen that before. So what did how did you feel about uh Carl Edwards giving his teammate Kyle Bush the boot, the old the old chrome <laughs> horn to, <laughs> to win the race? Horn. I loved it, man. That's good racing. That's good racing. I mean, what what other kind of finish do you want to see? Do you want to see him, uh, you know, I have the car to do it, but he's te- he's my teammate and I shouldn't do it kind of finish? No, no one wants to see that. So, heck yeah. I, I mean, that was great. And they both have wins and blah, blah, blah. So it doesn't really matter who wins that one because they've both won. But, heck, who cares? I mean, let's race, guys. If you're if you're not racing to win, then what are you racing for? So, heck yeah, I like right. that. I like that movie made there. Um, coming, coming in the last few turns. What about you? Yeah, as a fan, I think you expect a driver to give it his all all the time. I think you expect that of any athlete in ever in every sport. You know, I mean, 
how upset would we be if LeBron James just decided, eh, I'm not going to play as hard as I could in this in this playoff game because, oh, my best buddy Dwayne Wade is on the other team. No, that's never going to happen. You play to win. You know, yeah, you know what I mean? You 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 play to win and you race to win. So I feel like there is a level of expectations among the fans that you're going to give it your all, whether it's your teammate in first place or not. Now, I think it's really interesting because we've been talking all year about how good the Joe Gibbs racing cars are. And really, I guess we should have known it was only a matter of time before something like this happened, right? Before they one of they had to duke it out for the win, before somebody rubbed somebody else the wrong way. I mean, if if they if those four cars have been the drivers at the front of the field all year long, I just feel like this has been brewing through the first eight or nine races of the year. So here's the now the thing is, Kyle Busch is pissed, and you know he is. He he to his credit, he did he did a great job in his post race. Uh, interview. He did a great job not coming on the radio in his car right after they crossed the line and cussing up a storm. He did a he great job. He Lynch. did a great job in his. Yes, yes, he did. Here's the thing. You know he was biting his tongue, but he didn't say anything that was going to get him in trouble. He didn't say anything that was going to have you know be something that the media could play with for the whole week. He bit his tongue and he moved on. But you know that man who is as competitive as com- competitive as any other driver is pissed yeah. this week. Yeah, he. <laughs> everyone knows he's pissed. He just didn't say it, which which <laughs> is is good for him that he didn't say that because we've seen NASCAR has no no scruples in handing out uh, out fines to anyone who speaks against what they believe. But, um. Yeah, he's definitely pissed, which is okay. That's all right, you know. He was he was kind of hanging on there at the end. And I think Carl Edwards had the car in the long run and he made it work and he just got beat, which is fine. You're allowed you're allowed to be pissed when you lose. If you if you aren't, then then you know, you you're fine with losing and if you're fine with losing, then you're just a loser as as the saying goes. Here's the thing. If this had been a younger Kyle Busch, had this incident happened five years ago, I mean, hell, even three years ago, the end result would have been much different. I don't mean on the track. He still would have gotten, you know, gotten the bump and run, you know, done on him, but he would have probably thrown a fit after the race. He would have said something in his post-race interview. He may have went and confronted Carl. But this is, we are witnessing the maturity of Kyle Busch. We're seeing the champion Kyle Busch now. Do you think it's the maturity of Kyle Busch or do you think it's NASCAR in 2016? No, I don't. Here's the thing. Sure, NASCAR is deploying rules that are trying to kind of rein in the drivers after they said boys have at it back in 2010 or 11 or 12 or whenever they said that. Um but I don't think it has anything to do with NASCAR. They're still going to speak their minds when they feel it's necessary. And, and if it hadn't been Kyle Busch's teammate, even he might've said something, you know, what if it was Kevin Harvick? What if Kevin Harvick bumped him on the final lap to win? Or what if it was Joey Logano? Would he have had the same reaction? Probably not. If he hadn't won a race already this year, would he have had the same reaction? Oh, if know? he, well, then that's the interesting thing too. If he hadn't won a race this year, 
then what happens within the team because the team's goal is to get as many cars qualified for the chase as you can so if he hadn't won a race yet this year and carl edwards had already won one would carl have still driven in there and bumped him personally i think he would have because carl edwards okay has shown that he's that type of racer throughout his career and that's not a bad thing it just means he really wants to win and capitalize on his opportunities but I've seen certain things from Carl before that, to me, would indicate he would have done that whether Kyle had won this year or not. I like that. I like that perspective. Carl Edwards is aggressive. I once saw him in a post-race interview. This was long after most of the fans left and the, a lot of the cameras were gone. Uh, Matt Kenseth must have rubbed him the wrong way one day, and this was during their Roush days. Uh, but when they were both at Roush, Roush, Roush Fenway Racing, and Carl Edwards ran up to Matt Kenseth during Matt Kenseth's interview and threatened to punch him. I mean, he reared his fist back and looked like <laughs> he looked like he was legitimately about ready to let loose. And Matt Kenseth kind of ran back to get out of the way. But Carl was pissed. I mean, he has a bit of that hothead vibe. So he comes off on camera a lot like, oh, Mr. Subway, corporate sponsor man, happy-go-lucky. But you know he has that drive inside of him where he wants to win. And I think... Uh, I think that's both good and bad, but ultimately it's it's what makes him a winner. Yeah, and that's why he won the race on Sunday. <laughs> All right, here's a question. What would you have done if you were Carl Edwards? Uh, that's tough. I mean, if it's, if it's, let's say we're teammates, for example, and it's you and me out there. I know that you and I are, our best friends and and all that but let, let's say for example i was out there with one of my my teammates from college playing soccer and we're we just so happened to be racing racing cars that day i have no problem and maybe this is just me i know there's politics involved but dang i want to win man you know what <laughs> what else have we been out there doing for four hours I mean and that's why I asked you about the if Kyle Bush hadn't won yet would that dynamic have changed because if he hadn't won yet personally for me it might have changed a little bit but the fact that both him and I have won and basically secured our spot to the to the chase essentially heck yeah heck yeah I'm gonna give you the bump and run and go around you there's yeah. no no question in my mind, and it 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 wouldn't matter if it would have been your second win in ten years or whatever <laughs> it was. I don't care. We're we're both in. We're both in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna bump you and get you out of the way. I want to win, so I yeah I have no problem with it. If you had been in front of me on the last lap and I had the opportunity to give you the old bump and run, I'd have done it shot you up the racetrack and laughed my ass off the whole way to the finish line (laughs) and i would expect you i would expect you to do the same thing to me because that would be awesome yeah yeah it would (laughs) and i think that's the kind of attitude that got us kicked out of the uh, nascar park and myrtle beach (laughs) (laughs) oh man i have not thought about that in forever you're you're throwing it back to to summer 2009 right now i think yeah that's right what's that one what's the indoor one because that man that man slideways slideways Slideways. that man was pissed at me he caught he came up to me after the race and said i know you saw me 
I know you told I know you saw me telling you not to to wreck into people and you kept doing it anyways. You're done. You are not welcome back on this ride. <laughs> and then on our very last race of the day on a totally separate track, you and I both got kicked out of that one. Yeah, we're done. The the day is <laughs> over. You're, the day is over here, fellas. This is a NASCAR. Uh, get out of here. So. We we just we just got the racing bug a little too bad. We just wanted to win so damn bad. Dude, that's one thing I've been I've been mean to tell you this since we started this podcast. I have started driving like a bat out of hell. I <laughs> I commentate my own driving. This is that I'm I'm not kidding you right now. I will get on to I forty out here in front of my house in Winston Salem, driving to Greensboro to my parents and sister's house, and I am just oh man. I leave them in the dust. Nope. NASCAR man, how bad have you got it? it you know, yep. it's it's just the environment that I'm in. You know, I it's it not is. me. It's not me. It's NASCAR. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I have the same thing. I have no patience for slow drivers, and I don't know if that's how I always would have been, or if it's just because I've been watching NASCAR all my life. I don't know, but I I can't handle it. Mm-hmm. But. Get out of the way. Yeah, speaking speaking of the bump and run, Dylan, somebody gave me the old bump and run yesterday. Dude, I I talked to you yesterday and you told me that. What yeah. was going on up there? Someone someone gave you the bump and run. What well, the heck? yeah, minus the run. He was an old 70-year-old man. He didn't run, <laughs> but the bump and stay. The bump and stay. No, like I just I just want to hit you just for the heck of it. Right. It was kind of the, hey, I'm here, buddy. I'm here. Um, he just wanted to let me know that he cared, you know? <laughs> no. So Did you get was, everything worked out with that? Yeah, it's ongoing. So just to tell the listeners, I was about a mile away from my house. I was getting off 77 North right off of Schufel Street. And I stop at the stop sign. I'm getting ready to turn right. And right when I stop... I look to the left to see if any cars are coming, and then I just feel somebody hit me from behind. Like, the whole front of my car jerked, my head lurched forward, and I kind of, like, looked up, and it was it was a light tap. It wasn't, like, anything significant or anything, but I've never been rear-ended or in an accident with any other car, and I kind of just thought, wait wait a second. Did that, yeah. did that just happen? Did I, did I just get rear-ended? And I just look in my rearview mirror, and I see this man throwing his arms up and shaking his head like I was the asshole. I'm was like, he mad at you? No, he wasn't. But I think in that moment, he threw his hands up and was pissed. <sighs> and I'm just thinking, buddy, you're the one who just ran into me. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh, giving you the old bump and sit. Yeah. Dang. Uh. Huh. <laughs> well, I hope you taught him a lesson. And you backflipped. You backflipped out of your car when you got out. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. Yeah, I filed a very passive-aggressive police report. <laughs> <laughs> of course. No, of I course. just I haven't I have not had any luck in that Jetta, man. It has just been wrong place, wrong time, more times than you can imagine. Yeah, swapping paint. It's it's time for a new one. It's time for a new one. It is. It is, man. I got that decision to make here coming up. All right, we are just we are so unbelievably far off track. I don't. But this is. I don't know how that happened. (laughs) I don't know either, man. Jack Daniels is how it happened. 
You know what, though? I feel like it's been good. Maybe Jack Daniels should be a part of every podcast. The Lug Nuts and Jack podcast. Yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> my wallet my, my wallet with the gentleman Jack is not, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> Dude, d- okay. we're Just one more second. We're going to stay off topic here. There is a signature on this bottle, and it's Jack Daniels' signature. And for whatever reason... For forever in my mind, I've just thought his name was Jack Daniels. That's his name. No, his signature is Jack Daniel. No S. Hmm. Jack Daniel. Ah. It's it's Jack Daniels. Damn good whiskey. Oh, see, yeah. It's not Jack Daniels's good whiskey. So you learn something new every day, and here on the Lug Nuts and Beer podcast. Hopefully we're gonna teach you something. I I don't know. You probably already knew that. You might have. <laughs> Did you already know that, Tom? No, man. I'm not as avid of a Jack Daniels drinker as you are. So. Oh, uh, I'm definitely not an avid. I'm a novice, but I <laughs> I'm I'm progressing to intermediate stage. <laughs> hey, buddy! Happy birthday, by the way. Oh, it's twelve oh nine. Thanks, dude. I, I, I feel like that. I feel like it's a, a new year, a New Year's celebration. Like there should be confetti flying and cake and <laughs> beer and cheers uh, and all that. This is this is the first birthday where I'm legitimately not excited. I, uh, my golden year was last year at twenty six, and this one just no, no. You know, I've gotta, I have to keep my hair cut to a certain length or you can see all the gray hairs and if i drink too much i get a two-day hangover and <laughs> if i eat too much i get uh, a beer belly or drink too much i get a beer belly and it 27 is not fun let's just uh 26 and below all right here's the thing man like I, I keep saying it like we're getting old, but we're really not. Like I'm I'm getting ready to turn 26 here. You're 27. Anybody older than that listening to this podcast is right now is are, are just thinking about what a bunch of um, ignorant idiots we are. Amateurs, right now. Yeah. yeah. Amateurs. Yeah. Oh well, <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting there. Absolutely. Uh. So yeah. So the the Bush brothers they did not have a good day. They just didn't. You look at Kyle Bush no. was leading going into the final turn. Got booted up out of the way and finished second. Uh, and then you look at Kurpush though. I mean, he was leading the race there with about 50 to go and looked like he had it in the bag as long as he could maintain what he had. Uh, but there was a late race caution with about, what, 40 laps to go. And mm-hmm. he, they all come down to pit road to get new tires. And his his pit crew just laid an egg, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah. Um, it looked like he had a good car. He fell back to fifth on that last pit stop and then he fell back to 10th after the restart and i don't know i don't know what happened to him i thought he had a good car all day but kurt bush it was just one of those deals where he had a good car while he was out front he had the momentum he was hitting his marks putting down good lap times and then it's just kind of that classic case of well you get stuck back in traffic and it was while there was a lot of passing at Richmond, it's a very difficult racetrack to pass at. It takes a lot of time, a lot of laps of working the car in front of you. 
setting them up for the pass. And you just can't pass a lot of cars very quickly unless you do it on the restart. So when he dropped back to fourth, I kind of had the gut feeling, okay, well, you know, this is kind of the end of his day. There's no way he's going to re- recover from this because you've got the Joe Gibbs cars now in front of you, and he didn't, and ultimately ended up sliding back even more. So, you know, yeah. everybody thinks, well, how disappointed is Kyle Busch after this race? I mean, Kurt Busch is probably equally disappointed watching a win- his first win of the season slip away. Who do you think he's he's disappointed in, himself or his pit crew? Because he didn't he didn't interview after the race, so yeah, it's gotta be his pit crew. I mean, you're not gonna say that as a driver, but I mean, when you come in first, you don't expect to leave fourth. Yeah. Yep. You're right. So. Yeah. Um. And what about uh, Tony Stewart's first race back? It's good to have him back here in his final season after breaking his back um in an, in an off road incident right before the Daytona 500. Mm-hmm. He is back. Missed the first eight races. You know, returned at Richmond. I think it's it's pretty cool to have him back. It's good for NASCAR to have him back. It is good for NASCAR to have that guy back. I mean, he said he could have gone what 400 more laps, maybe 800 more laps. He's a cool dude. I I like Smoke. Um, I do too. Obviously, I'm disappointed to see Brian go. Um, this might be might be the last time we mention Brian Vickers' name this podcast. Very well could be. But um, Smoke's a good guy, uh, and he loves to race. And yes, you he heard does. that in his in his post post interview. Um, or post-race interview. And, yeah, it was great to see him back out there on the track, and it was fun. And I, I have a feeling we're not we're not seeing the last of that dude for the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. It's good to have Smoke back. You know, he rubs NASCAR the wrong way. He just does. The NASCAR brass. I mean, he's had a history of being outspoken and, and not holding back no matter who he is throwing under the bus or who he is criticizing. I mean, he certainly called out NASCAR before, and this probably won't be the last time. Um, So I know that it's kind of a love-hate thing there with NASCAR, but the fans love him, and I love that he speaks his mind, and I'll be damned if he doesn't get results. Last week, Mm -hmm. right before he announced that he was coming back, he talked about this whole lug nut issue and how he thought it was absolutely ridiculous that NASCAR no longer mandated that teams put all five lug nuts on the wheels, on the tires when they when they come in for pit stops. Uh, you know, he said you've made so many great strides towards safety over the past 15 years. Why would you start saying that it's no longer mandatory to put on all these lug nuts? You're going to leave yourself open to loose wheels. And no, while nobody's gotten hurt yet since they introduced this new rule, you know, kind of eliminating the the minimum lug nut requirement back in 2015. But it's something where it's kind of like it's only a matter of time. Somebody might get hurt because of a loose wheel. Um, and he got results. He got penalized for it. He's thir- he, you know, he got penalized $35,000 by NASCAR. But just today they announced that they are now demanding, mandating that all five lug nuts be fastened on each wheel. Yeah, he does. He gets results. I was just laughing at the fact that I was imagining myself get penalized $35,000. $35,000 by NASCAR <laughs> and, and what kind of fallout that would create. But yeah, he gets results and that's all the news in NASCAR today is, and it's not Tony Stewart. You don't hear his name mentioned. You just hear, oh, NASCAR is mandating this, but 
it's a direct result of Tony Stewart speaking out and being a voice for the drivers. If you were to get penalized $35,000 by NASCAR, what would it be for? What would you have done to get penalized (laughs) (laughs) $35,000? Oh, man. That's funny. That is funny because I could come up with a list, a list (laughs) of things, a list of things. It would probably be for, oh, boy. Oh God! Just wrecking someone. I get mad. <laughs> I would get. <laughs> that took me a second to come up with, but it's obvious when I think about it. I just get mad, and I would wreck. So I, I'd wreck Kyle Busch, Joey Logano, <laughs> hands down. <laughs> I mean, if I'm being honest, that's exactly what I do. I'd be like, "Oh no, you're not getting around me. Come on, we're not doing this." I was just thinking about it for me while you were giving your answer. I feel like mine would almost certainly be for trying to fight somebody after a race. Not like <laughs> something would happen inevitably that would just piss me off beyond belief and I would get out of my car and I would hunt them down. And I'm talking like I'm talking like the early days of Kevin Harvick, like when he was younger. Remember when Kevin Harvick was just insane yeah. when he would get that look in his eyes and he would chase down a driver and he jumped on top of ricky rudd's hood i mean i'm talking like i mean harvick's mellowed down a lot now in recent years but he used to be crazy that's what i think i would probably get penalized thirty five thousand dollars for (laughs) good for you because actually i'm thinking about it my thirty five thousand dollar fine would not be a fine my i'm just thinking of an incident in general that I would come up with. And I think my incident is just, I wouldn't know someone behind me had a better car. Maybe it probably, here. here's what I imagine. I imagine we're restarting with two to go at, mm, let's say Daytona. Why not? You know, two to go with Daytona. And Kyle Busch goes to go around me and... I just wreck him, but <laughs> that, <laughs> I'd probably be starting first. He'd be starting second, and he had a better car than me. I took two tires. He took four, and oh, man, it wouldn't be a fine, though. I It would just result in a brouhaha in, uh, <laughs> in the pits, but Here, here's yeah, the thing. that's what I imagine. I wouldn't consider it a fine either. I would just consider it fun money. That's my my weekly allowance for fun at the racetrack. Fun money. I like the way you describe that. I feel like that's what all driver inc- or fines or incidences should be called be called after the race from here on out. Fun money. That was fun money he spent. <laughs> uh, all oh, right. I'm dying right now. So let's uh, run down the top 10 here real quick. Uh, Carl Edwards, one. Kyle Busch, two. Jimmy Johnson came home third. Casey Kane, fourth place. Kevin Harvick finished fifth. Denny Hamlin, sixth. Matt Kenseth, seventh. Joey Logano, top 10 rounded out by Martin Truex Jr. And as we mentioned, Kurt Busch. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. finished 13th, which was a little surprising. He won the Xfinity Series race on Saturday. So a lot of people were kind of, you know, talking about the weekend sweep. He's good at Richmond. He had won there three times. Uh, He started, you know, 16th and kind of came through the field and spent a lot of his day in the top 10. But that last run, I think he said he just got 
tightened up way too much and he was just kind of plummeting just dropping positions and ultimately had to settle for a a 13th place finish but uh we have amelia coming back next week Mm. Uh yes we do talladega super speedway yours truly is going to be there for the very first time that's awesome i i saw the recording i can't wait about 30 seconds after like i saw the commercial about 30 seconds after the richmond race it is taking a lot in me not to just drive down there it seems so cool but but if i went (laughs) i'd want to go for more than just the race i want to go for the experience Right, yeah, I've heard the infield camping experience at Talladega is unrivaled. We gotta go? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm going, I'm actually, so I'm taking my aunt and my uncle, as I've mentioned multiple times on this podcast, they kind of got me into NASCAR, and this is sort of my way to repay the favor to them for taking me to all those races for all those years uh, so for Christmas, I got them tickets to Talladega. They've never been there before. I've never been there before. We've never been to a restrictor plate race. So I think this is going to be a great experience. I also got my dad uh, a ticket for Christmas as well. So the four of us are going to hop in my uh, hop in the truck and uh, head down on Saturday morning. And we're going to be there all weekend long. And honestly, I can't wait. I think it's just going to be a spectacle, I think. I don't I just I don't even know what to expect. I think it's just gonna be kind of a, a larger than life experience actually seeing Talladega. I've never seen a race at a track that big. You know, I like to go to short tracks and mile tracks and mile and a half tracks, but this is just gonna be a whole new animal, to be honest with you. I mean we got pit passes which I've never done before, so we'll be down on pit road before the race and I'm really just, yeah, I'm just really excited for the whole experience and to and to be able to give that experience to my family. That's going to be very cool. Hell yeah, dude. That's going to be awesome. I oh, I can't wait for next week's podcast already. We're just now recording <laughs> this and good for you. That's Pictures going to be to freaking come. awesome. Yes. So, Tom, who do you got? Who do you got at Talladega? Oh my goodness. I mean, could I pick anyone other than Ralph Dale Earnhardt Jr.? Dale Earnhardt Jr. Junior! We're both picking him. <laughs> Come on. I'm not I'm not I knew when I thought of this earlier today, I knew I wasn't alone and here we are. Yeah. Amelia's oh, back, yeah. baby, and she's flying. Dale Jr., six-time Talladega winner. 10-time mm-hmm. restrictor plate race winner. I mean, he will be the clear favorite, and hopefully we see him go to victory lane this Sunday afternoon. He's the defending race winner of this of the spring race yep. at Talladega. So, and he finished second there by a mere inches to Joey Logano in the fall. So he's, he's locked in at Talladega. He always is. He needs a win, man. And... If there's any race for him to get it on the circuit, it's Talladega. And Talladega, for sure. It's going to be awesome. I'm so excited that you're going to be there. And if I show up, don't be surprised. <laughs> oh, man, it's going to be great. I'm sure we're going to have so much to talk about next week. I'll, we'll have so many pictures to to tweet out and send and post on the site. It's going to be Have we ever be tweeted great, out any of the pictures that we talk about on here? Have we done that? 
I don't think so. I don't even think we ever tweeted at we – we never even changed our backgrounds for, like, the pictures we took at Martin, so we need to get on that. I think – I, you know what? I think I put that on the uh, the old contacts page. I think I didn't. I didn't want to replace it with Bristol. That was a cool pick, but yeah, I hear you, man. We need another good panoramic picture. Let's do right it. On. All right, all right, buddy. Well, the picks are in. the The go to driver for Talladega is Dale Earnhardt it's Jr. Dale. We'll see if Amelia returns, makes her return to victory lane. Gentleman Dale. <laughs> all right buddy you ready to send her off let's send them out all right bye everybody enjoy dega see ya